Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm Matt Perslow and today I'm joined by Dale Driver. Hello. How you doing? I'm alright mate, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. And Jesse Gomez. Hi. Jesse, you're uh, you're over the moon, aren't you? Because we had a Nintendo Direct last I'm night. I'm so fucking excited. Couldn't care about Overwatch, but Jedi Knight Academy and Jedi Outcast are coming to the Switch and also the PS4 too. So I'm oh, quite excited. That's not the PS4 cool. 2, but more like the PS4. Cardi's <laughs> giving you the twos up through the window. Fuck off, he Cardi. doesn't care. Cardi's I think it's because wh- what you said about Overwatch more than the Star Wars, to be honest. You know what? Overwatch, it's okay, but it ain't Jedi Academy. <laughs> what? Unbelievable. I mean, that's that is fact. insane. Though, it's, it is a fact because they're, ve- they're very different games. Do you know what the word fact means? It is a fact. <laughs> it does Jedi, not ca- Jedi Academy isn't Overwatch. I'm just stating a simple oh, fact. I mean, that's there we true. Go. It isn't yep. Overwatch. See? Everyone agrees not. now. Jedi Knight is yeah. one of the best Jedi simulators I've ever played. So right. very much is. I don't know if I want to go back to playing a game that. Mm. I say that. Oh well, I might see. It's a novelty for Switch. It's a bit I, of fun. I, the first film I ever saw was Star Wars. I've loved Star Wars my entire life. I have no interest <laughs> in playing that game. Jesse, sell me on that game, mate. Oh, well, there's many Wait. different layers when it comes to Jedi Knight and Jedi Academy. <laughs> it's I'm more of a multiplayer person when it comes to Jedi Knight mm-hmm. and Jedi Academy, just because it's the fun mix of you have people who are either playing as troopers or Mandalorians with jetpacks, so you've got people playing as Wookiees or Jedi, so it's a crazy kind of like... It's essentially the battlefront I've always wanted, mm-hmm. just because it's so fast-paced. You'll run into a room, you have a few stormtroopers, or you have a few Jedi Knights just having a fight, and it's just it's the rhythm of just either guns or lightsabers and just the craziness okay. that can occur when you're that's, fighting. That's not on the Switch version, though. Right? The Switch versions are just the campaigns. That's the multiplayer, which will only be yeah, on the PlayStation, Yeah, that'll be on the PS4, right? mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that was obvious. I knew the moment I saw that, that would excite you. <laughs> Obviously, my excitement from Nintendo, because it was a banger of a Nintendo Direct, 40 Minutes of Madness. It just dropped uh, it randomly as well. Yeah. Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, which is my favourite game of all time, is right. now on Switch. Okay. Best RPG ever. I highly recommend everyone at home goes out and gets that. Well, I saw a very aggressive tweet about from you about did that. You, what did you say again? Well, I think I said nobody's got any bloody excuse now to what? go out. And- <laughs> I've got an excuse, Matt. Have you? you I don't want to play no, it. <laughs> honestly, Dale, I don't think it's your kind of Exactly. Kind of gig, There's my excuse. It is the best RPG of all time. Oh, right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> and uh, obviously there's some Pokemon news, but we're not actually here to chat about Nintendo Direct. I've decided that's Academy. not what our thing is. Uh, big thing of the week. Obviously, It Chapter 2 yes, is out. Very um, excited. You've I've, seen it? I have seen it, yes. Um, right, so... <laughs> It's one of the. Have you noticed that it's had quite middling reviews? It's there's two very distinct spectrums. I'm quite I've shocked noticed. about that. We we gave we gave it a seven. So right? we gave it a seven, and that's I've, good. Yeah, I saw Empire gave it five stars. Said mm. it was an absolute phenomenal piece of you know masterpiece work. Um, I saw uh, Peter Bradshaw from the Guardian, well-known miserable man, was sitting five <laughs> rows in front of me. He gave it a two star. That's a um, bit harsh. Yeah, Wait, two out of five or two out of ten. Two out of five okay, for, for the Guardian. Say, but savage. yeah, he said it was very very baggy um i i i sort of feel like r7 is probably about where i put it but i think i have a slightly different opinion from uh jim who did our review yeah so so what i can gather from that then it is is still a good film it maybe just doesn't hit the heights of the Mm -hmm. first one so 
to get started, like, one of the things I think we're terrible at the podcast is we just jump in and start chatting about things instead of maybe pointing out what this film is. So for anybody that doesn't know, it picks up 27 years later after the first dip that we saw that was set in the 80s. Yeah. It is basically the adults now have to come back to Derry. Uh, and they have to defeat it because he's back. Because as was established in that first film, it's a case of every 27 years, it, this horrendous old evil from underground, emerges and starts killing children, sure. right? Um, and they made that promise at the end of the first film that they would come back. And uh, so this film opens, um, and it's a three-hour movie. Which, Whoa. Bloody hell, that's you know, that Two hours, 50 minutes, I think it That is in too long for a horror film. <laughs> i tell you what, it did not feel it. A lot of people really? have said that it does, but I found that... Um, so, you know when you're in the cinema and you sort of realise that that Coke that you had at the start of the, the thing, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have had that. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. Sort of, and uh, it was coming up to that time, and I was like, shit, there's still going to be like an hour left of Bloody this. Uh, but it felt like it was wrapping up and it wrapped up like I assumed it was going to be and it doesn't have that thing where like you get to the end and then there's another ending there's after a false it. End. Yeah. yeah, so it, it feels like I found it felt like it was structured quite nicely. Um, but it is, bear in mind when you go in, don't get the jumbo coke. Yeah. <laughs> I just, um, I've, like for me, a horror film is always a 90 minute thing. So I think yeah. 90 perfect. minutes is the sweet spot for a horror yes. movie. So I'm surprised that I didn't have anything against the length. Yeah. What I do find is my issue with it because it, it is very very well made yeah the adult cast is fantastic so you know you've got in there you've got mcavoy you've got jessica chastain you've got bill hader yeah. bill hader's probably the standout so he plays the older version of richie yeah um and obviously richie has he's the one that's got you know the toilet humor he's the one that <laughs> he's got the quick the quick yeah, wit. yeah. Well, yeah and he does that brilliantly but he's quite clearly like in his adult life he's I think he's a DJ like he's a very sort of like in his area quite well known yeah and he's quite clearly like the back chatting DJ and he's got that about him you can tell that there's probably a bottle of Jack Daniels being held <laughs> under the <laughs> yeah, decks sure, yeah. Um, and I think he does that really, really well. Um, the guy that plays Stan, obviously Stan was the one that was a little bit more kind of, he was the Jewish boy, yeah. he was a bit more reserved. He's got all of that about him. Um, so I think they, I don't know how they found that cast. It's mm. like, the it's, it's a very, very perfect yeah. sense there. But what you do have is, have any of you read the book? I've um, tried getting into it. It's like... A it's a million it's, it's, pages long. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I've I've read the Wikipedia version of yes. the book, and I've seen the original Tim Curry version. Yeah, Tim yeah. Curry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know how, um, and for anybody who doesn't know, the actual book is structured in an alternating fashion. Like you have one chapter as the kids, and yeah. then it will swap to them as adults. And that seems to make sense to me now I've watched, because I've never read the book. Right. Um, now I've seen the way that they've done it in sequence. So you've got a film about the 80s and you've got a film about the modern day. So translated to the books, that would have been because the original stuff is the 50s in the books and then it's the 80s is the adult stuff. Mm. When you're going hopping from one section to another and, and backwards and forwards, it makes sense because this film sort of feels like the same film as the last one but you've got an adult cast instead yeah because it is just them going to this town yeah and having to confront their fears and apparitions of their fears and eventually getting to a final confrontation with pennywise yeah like that's not a spoiler for anybody because no, no. that's the yeah. structure of a film <laughs> but it is so similar because whilst the there is some depth to the fact that like their fears change over time and so there's a little bit more depth to it they're not just scared of surface level things as kids are kids yeah. find cockroaches gross right or they don't <laughs> like blood yeah yeah in this there's like beverly does have apparitions of blood but there's more depth to them now okay but it is still 
the same film to a large degree just mm. told with adults instead ah, of children they're not cut back with the kids regularly there are flashbacks to them and yeah. which is quite interesting because they had to digitally de-age them <laughs> because they've grown up a bit too much in oh, two God, years. it's only like yeah what is it a year you know? yeah it was 2017 so, it was released mm-hmm. i mean but when they filmed it i guess oh, it's, right. pro- well, yeah. it's probably about the same it's bad but that's yeah. crazy mm-hmm. but it's like in um Oh wait, you boys never seen Lost, have you? Yeah, yeah, I've oh, seen Lost. Said, yeah, remember in Walt in Lost when he yes. was this young boy, and then they went one season, and all of a sudden he just grew insanely. <laughs> that they had to write him out of the show, really, because it because on the island it was supposed to be they were there for like a hundred days. Oh right, okay. But yeah. he'd he'd all his, his voice had changed like that, <laughs> and everything about him had changed. But yeah, but if you think of like how in, in the year and a half is it between Stranger Things 2 and 3 look at how mm. tall Finn Wolfhard absolutely got. yeah he shot up yeah. like that was one of their key problems of like fucking Finn Wolfhard doesn't look like what he did in it chapter 1 anymore so they yeah. had to digitally de-age him whereas people like uh, is it Sophia Ellis it's Sophia something isn't it the uh, girl that the, plays the, young the, Beverly, Beverly yeah. apparently she basically didn't change at all so there was very little need for mm. any CG there but all the, so you do get a really nice transition between seeing them as kids because it get those flashbacks get to flesh out a little bit more that you didn't get in film one. Yeah, but overall it is largely a film set in the modern day with okay, their adults. Right, okay. And I say it is it does feel like you're retreading a lot of old ground. And part of and I think when I initially saw it, I was like, this hasn't worked for me because so much of it is familiar. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I actually do like it. Um, but. I think there will be a lot of people that will find it a little bit repetitive because okay. there is so much like, you know, the the guy that was, um, I can't remember whose fear it is, but it's the guy that's got leprosy and he's struggling in the roads outside oh, the house. Yeah, that's, uh... Like that, that fear is in it again and you see right. that apparition okay. again. So it is, and while I say there are more layers to that because they're now adult fears and adult adults fear far yeah. more you know, in depth than than sure, kids do because yeah. they understand the risk of mortality now. Yeah, so there's more yeah. of that to it. Um, but what it does do that I do really like is it starts to hint about the fact that it is this horrendous cosmic entity from beyond our realms, basically. And you don't get a lot of that. Like yeah. um, the books delve much more into the macroverse and we don't get that in the film for reasons which we'll be able to discuss a little bit later because mm. we've got uh, Andy Muschietti Sweet. Uh, an interview with him later on and he discusses a bit more about this but you don't get the madness you know Stephen King's got the madness yeah. that runs behind all of his books Yeah, you don't get that and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that but you get a hint to it which are, there's, a, there's one sequence which I'm not going to say about because it is in the latter <laughs> end okay, but good. you you just get that feeling of like shit it isn't just a clown there's yeah. something really deep and old and horrifying about it okay. what what is actually pennywise because sometimes he's everything and sometimes he's nothing the kids are able to the kids were able to defeat him in the first film but yeah. sometimes he can like make everyone disappear and then sometimes he can transform well, into anything he wants well that's these operations right like yeah. um that as they come back to Derry and they have to face him, they all obviously have their injury. And some of those apparitions are what they've seen mm. before because those fears still exist, but sometimes they change. Right. Okay. Um, but as I say, it is still a film about going through each of those apparitions, conquering each of their own fears so that they can make their way to their final confrontation. Yeah. Obviously, there are other things that they've learned because this is not just about trying to force Pennywise back underground so that he's away for another 27 years. Obviously, the final goal of this book is to defeat him forever. Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, and so there's those, but 
I think if it had been in sequence, in, in parallel, like it is in the book, you wouldn't feel the fatigue because you would be seeing like how they dealt with it when they were kids and how they learned from that and they finally knocked him off. Sure, yeah. And I really want to see a supercut of this film where people <laughs> combine the two movies together that, yeah, and you get to see it as the book was. Imagine, yeah, if someone takes it all apart and just cuts it up like that, like, or like the TV show was yeah, as yeah. well. Like, yeah. yeah, I'd be super I think this would make that. a really good, like, two 90-minute movies. So do it as almost like two episodes. Yeah. And you get, or, <laughs> you know, or sit down Can and just watch it as well. Can you cut what was a two hour film and now a three hour film into no, I mean the first one's two hours 15 it, that Is was it? a long yeah, film as well yeah. I the, I like the first one so much I do think the first one's a real cracker of a horror movie I, I thought it was fantastic I went to see it with Joe and his girlfriend mm-hmm. and like it was so good that I went home to my wife and just said like we have to go see it yeah. we saw it a few days later as well mm-hmm. so I saw it twice in a week and I, think, I don't yeah. usually do that for horror films I think that's so. part of the reasons why I don't feel as connected to this one because it's just not and I think there's something I, I've, I've said this before like I like stories about kids and especially kids in danger is yeah. a really fun it's thing kind of goosebumpsy yeah yeah but the great thing about it is it gets to be the goosebumps thing but it also gets to put gore and really horrible <laughs> yeah. bits into yeah. it and it's, it is truly like unsettling as yeah. well uh, yeah I'm I'm super excited mm-hmm. to see even though like you know like you said it's not I've got expectations where it's not going to be the heights of the yeah. first one but it's still yeah. going to be an enjoyable experience and I still want to see it how these characters yeah. have grown up and what it still Absolutely. has to be a fun ride even though it might not be that many surprises yeah. Yeah. And the other down thing is, the road is you, you don't get horror films with this budget so very no, often yeah. at all yeah. and to see like those apparitions because quite a lot of it's practical effects as well sort of like you know just seeing someone coated with gallons of blood <laughs> or seeing like a leper come and get you yeah. in the street and it's a person in prostheses and they yeah. look gross I appreciate all of this and I yeah. you know while it's not the heights that the first film is, I appreciate that it's a film that's in the world that people can go and see. Mm. Like, I think it's, yeah, yeah, there's, I say, so like seven out of 10 feels right to me. Yeah, it is a good fun film. But that's not to say that it is, because sometimes you can get a disappointing seven out of yeah. 10. Sometimes <laughs> you can get one that's worth it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I sit on that. Like, I'm pleased I went to see it. Cool. So yeah, as mentioned before, we've got an interview with Andy Muschietti, who is the director of both part one and part two. It's only a short 10 minutes one, yeah. he was, and it was at the end of the day, he was feeling quite tired. So what sort, what sort of things do you talk about? So um, because we'd only got 10 minutes, I think we largely talk about um, trying to make fears come alive on screen, how you do that and how you talk about Pennywise as being not just a dancing clown that looks horrendous but also the fact that he is the front facing of an evil that basically doesn't have shape that comes mm. from much deeper than just he's, he's not just a man in makeup is he he is from the cosmos right yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had a bit of chat about that and you know just a little bit about finding that cast as okay. well there's no spoilers in this no no absolutely spoiler free awesome. aside from the fact that we do talk a little bit about things that were in the book that aren't in this film so if you have read the book and you you don't want to know what has been removed then maybe you want to skip ahead. It's a 10-minute interview, so skip your podcast functions 4 by 10 <laughs> okay. and then we'll get to see even more spooks. Ali, welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's great to have you on with us. Oh, great to be here. <laughs> and um, so I've fairly recently seen it, saw it earlier, well, last week, and it's obviously, I think the interesting thing about it is it's an examination of fears, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in hoping that none of my fears would be sort of like 
for example, I'm terrified of snakes and the okay. idea of it turning into a snake and potentially what that might mean further below as we dig through the layers. <laughs> I'm really pleased that that didn't happen because I might have flown the cinema that in, didn't in happen. tears. That happens in Indiana Jones. Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> I might be a terrible explorer, like the amount of snakes <laughs> that you have to go through with exploring. Um, but I was just wondering kind of like, as you're making these films and you're thinking about how these characters have their fears, do you sort of end up examining like what your own fears are in order to dig deeper? Oh yeah, of course. You know, there's a uh, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of characters. There's like seven characters, mm -hmm. and and uh, and there's uh, you know we need to find uh, uh, something that uh, that is traumatizing for each of them. Something that uh, you know uh, this this movie has a perspective uh, that is different from the first one. The first one is is has a more innocent look. Mm -hmm. It's a story told to the eyes of a bunch of kids with their fears. Uh, they're um, uh, simpler, if you will. Um, second uh, movie takes place 27 years later. Uh, we find these characters in the 40s. So for me, it was an exploration of of adult fears, which are more complex. Mm -hmm. You know, they have more layers, and 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 usually they are connected to to things from the past, uh, childhood trauma, and so it was. You know, it was a it was a challenging uh, exploration for me. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you see it. You you know you 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 you're trying to draw from your own experience too. You know, when I read the the book again 30 years after my first read I sort of reinterpreted the story and and I knew what what was important about these characters um, and all these layers mm -hmm. you know? what did you find had changed when you were because obviously you did, so did you read the book almost as a child were you when well, you first I was read it? I was 14 when I read mm -hmm. it for the first time and uh, of course I connected uh, the, the, the things that spoke to me most were the were the the plot of, of these characters when they were kids, uh, so I connected a lot with the with the emotional aspects of it, you know, the ro romance story, mm -hmm. and of course, like horror for me was uh, was um, uh, very attractive, but it acted on me like in a very like simple way, if you will. You know, I was scared of silly things like yeah. ghosts and cockroaches mm -hmm. and stuff, and. Um, uh, after all these years, with more experience, I understand that fears uh, that you have as an adult are, 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 are can, can be simple. Like I'm still afraid of cockroaches. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, af I'm afraid of death and loneliness. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also afraid of things that you know that they're just like something that it's broken in the system. You know, you're afraid of these things because uh, you're wired in a certain way, uh, and that wiring happened many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and as I say, you get to examine that through a, a wide ensemble cast, yeah. and and we're sort of like looking at all of these figures. How do you make something like that's metaphysical? Sort of like if we're talking about the fear of loneliness or the fear of death, mm -hmm. these are not things that we can create concretely, but. Mm -hmm. To create a film, there almost needs to be a level of concrete so that we can visualize it, but also you've got many techniques that you can use. Mm -hmm. How do you bring a fear to life so the audience actually genuinely is terrified? Well, the, 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 the more graphic and, and, and um, sensational layer of fear is still there. 
you know, Pennywise, like, you know, the mo probably the most intense moments, uh, uh, the more visceral moments are when uh, the simpler uh, apparitions and incarnations of Pennywise appear or the gruesome of his killing uh, appear. Uh, the, 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 the fears that are more layered and more real uh, and probably more abstract are uh, acting a different way. And uh, yeah, they, they, they find their execution in, in jump scares uh, or in, in scenes where there's a buildup of tension, like Beverly going back to her, uh, to her childhood house. And, and we have this old lady like sort of like con constructing uh, um, around her uh, uh, Beverly's trauma of, of, of her father. Um, but it's a blend of everything. I, I think that, you know, the, the visceral scares had to still be there because it's still a, a horror movie. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about Pennywise and obviously the it that it is, is that it's it's not something of this world or maybe even this universe. It's kind of, um, it's an old, mysterious, cosmic evil. Mm -hmm. How, like, there are plenty of things in the movie that, that we know from, you know, like lepers and, and blood and stuff like that, we understand. How do you convey that this is something of just, of the void? Well, precisely, uh, you know, all, all the mystery around uh, it mm -hmm. and what it is, is so compelling, precisely because it's cryptic, you know, and, and Stephen King does a phenomenal job. Uh, at least through like a great part of the book, mm -hmm. um, before he jumps to the other side and we see you know the, like Bill's journey into the macroverse and stuff, and I wanted to keep it that way, you know I want uh, I, I wanted to tell these stories from the perspective of the of the human characters. Um, the moment that you start, you 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 access the other side and you you go to the other side or you travel into the other side. Uh, the movie uh, sort of shifts genre and it becomes like a fantasy mm -hmm. or a hybrid with a fantasy film. I didn't want to go there. Uh, I just wanted to keep it relatable uh, for the audience. And especially I wanted to keep it cryptic and mysterious, which is what so, so uh, generates so much tension. You know, when, when, when Stephen King talks about Bob Gray, how much do we learn about him? We don't learn too much, you know, how, what, what's, how was Bob Gray uh, um, uh, incarnated uh, by Pennywise? It's, there's so many missing uh, pieces there, but that's what makes like the audience be uh, stimulated, you know? The audience try to, uh, to make the math and, 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 and put these pieces together, and that's what's so uh, cool about the whole experience. And I wanted to keep it like that. Yeah, mm. I, I agree with you. But I think sort of like taking the macro um, side mm -hmm. of it out is definitely beneficial for the story that you're trying to tell. But mm -hmm. is, is there anything about the macroverse that tempts you? Is it, would you like to delve further into that? Uh, possibly. You know, mm. we, see, we see what happens to you when you're dead lighted. Where do you go? Mm -hmm. You go to the macroverse. I'm sure you go to a place. Uh, in the book, it's described as a, this big void. Uh, which is basically the infinity of the universe, and we see the turtle there, like flying. I don't want to be too explicit about it, but I, I, I am tempted to, uh, possibly, uh, in the future. <laughs> uh, 
it's if easy. we ever do like this thing called supercut that we'd like to ah. you know, basically uh, go a little deeper mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um let's bring it back to the film that we've yeah. got you yeah. you bought on obviously a new cast that got to play the adult versions of a, a fantastic child sort of cast and they are those people like i think mm -hmm. this is the best casting job i've seen all year it <laughs> really is um, how did you find them did you already have people in mind when you were casting the because presumably yeah. you knew that you had to do chapter mm -hmm. two you had to bring it to adults yeah so you had a cast in mind when you started with your kids did you no 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 definitely the 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 the, the kids the first movie was cast upon like you know the the, the need of making a credible uh group of friends uh each with their own personality and charisma, and uh, and I was very focused on that. Uh, the challenge was later when we started, like you know, when Chapter Two sort of became a, a more tangible and uh, and the movie was greenlit. I uh, started thinking like seriously about who would play, but it was a lot of fun too because I knew that I would find them, you know, that I would find them. It was a matter of like the search, and there was like four. Three, char three characters that I already had in mind, which was like Beverly, uh, Bill, and, and Richie, which was uh, uh, Jessica Chastain, McAvoy, and, and Hayter. And there was a fourth that I, you know, that, this, that, that it was Eddie. And for me, it was like PJ Ransone is a guy that I, I, I've known so, I, I, known so I, I, I had met socially. And it struck me how similar he was uh, to Jack Grazer, the kid who plays Eddie. Uh, not only physically, but also like his his mind. You know, the, the the way that his mind seemed to work. Like it was like faster than than the rest of us yes. as mortals, and and the way that connections were made in his mind, and the way he expressed it, like high speed uh, verbal diarrhea, and and uh, and neurosis. So he was like the perfect uh, fit for that. And then the others came from like uh, an extensive search uh, uh, of uh, casting and auditions. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. This is uh, a movie that I could speak to you for a very you know multiple hours, <laughs> but um, I think it's we'll have to conclude it there. And thank Until you very much time. for taking time out. Oh, to chat. please, of course, man. It's been wonderful. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. So since we've now have spoken about horror film. Let's talk about horror games. Mm. Dale, you've been playing Blair Witch. Well, I've been playing loads of horror games recently. I don't know what it is. Okay. Just, I think they all came out around the same time. And Unusual that it's not October. It feels like it should <laughs> yeah, be October, yeah, right? right? Like, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for horror films and horror games in general anyway, mm. so... I was very excited, but the, the the one I want to talk about the most is Blair Witch, which came out last Friday, I believe. Yeah, I think yes, so. Yes, yeah, last Friday. Uh, and I'm a massive fan of Blair Witch in general. I'd, like the Blair Witch Project was one of my favorite horror films. Did you get to go and see that at a cinema? I did see that at the cinema. Oh, and, mad. Yes, and well, I have two memories about seeing Blair Witch Project <laughs> at the cinema. One is, uh, well, actually, no. I'm going to preface before and say I remember the documentary that went live on TV before. Uh, was, yeah. was that a thing? In, yes. Oh, you should watch it. So in my head, it it was on MTV for some reason. <laughs> Either might be wrong about that, but okay. in my head, it was on MTV. And it was just this documentary put out saying about there's this, there is a documentary film or implied there's a documentary film coming out about this. And then it went into the story of what the Blair Witch Woods mm -hmm. were, or what are they called? The, um, 
I really should remember what the words are called. I know what you mean. Because the Burkittsville, whole... Burkittsville. Wasn't all of this, like, effectively a red herring to make people go into the film believing Absolutely. they were watching Absolutely. playing this um, completely straight. Yeah, so well, it's, off, it's often uh, noted as, like, a marketing piece of genius, where it's obviously yeah. a lot of people believed that this was real footage that That's was found. Mad. You say that now with the hindsight of, of years oh, yeah, of these yeah, yeah, sort of We did social media yeah. as well. There's yeah. no Twitter for anybody to get the message yeah. around that yeah, it was BS. Yeah, but I, I, I remember watching that legitimately thinking oh this film looks really interesting they found all this real footage and they yeah. put it together <laughs> oh, man, it felt like that amazing. by the time I actually went to see the film I think word had got around to that, that yeah, point that this is obviously mm-hmm. just a stunt but it was you know a huge success and my two memories of that was just the sheer silence in the cinema of like this this unending tension like because no one has seen anything like that yeah that was it like one of the first found footage films or am i remembering i mean it's, that it's often lauded as it probably yeah. isn't there's probably something yeah. else out there but it, you know it's definitely the most well-known first one um but yeah my two memories were the, the tension in the cinema and just being early engaged and also right at the end when they cut off and it just comes up with the credits at the end and one guy's standing up from going that was shit and then just stood <laughs> up and walked out and a few people sort of laughed and reacted but i was like I didn't know what to think of it at that point, but yeah. I knew that it left a massive impression on me. And that's why I think over the years I've grown to love it because of just the impression it yeah. left. Mm-hmm. And like, it Did, was truly, ter- like that last scene is truly terrifying. Yeah. I watched it for the first time, maybe a few years ago. And even though I've seen you know, films like Wreck and Quarantine and other films mm-hmm. like that, which are kind of, you know, found footage and so on, it still felt like one of the strongest found footage films to watch because it felt more real compared you, to the well, rest of Well, do you know this? I mean, we should be talking about the game here, but do you <laughs> yeah. know the, the story about the film? I think it was shot on something like a six grand budget. <laughs> right. It was nothing. And the director They must have made so much money back. So how how the the act, how it, the process worked was they were, the actors knew rough beats, yeah. but they didn't have dialogue and they were just thrown out there with the equipment <laughs> and the directors and the crew, production crew, would sit in the dark, in the te- you know, the scenes in the tent yeah, at yeah. night and they were the ones like just throwing things, making noise. Oh, and so they just cool. told the actors to react how you would react like, yeah. react mm-hmm. in a real sense. And so some of those some of those like moments are like true fear, you know? Because yeah. you imagine being in that situation, <laughs> even if you know people out there are doing this. It's still it's gonna still, be scary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of its power stems from that in the mm. performances. But also the fact that it's low budget leans into that as well because even things with like Wreck and Quantity and stuff like that, you can still sense there's money there, yeah, a little bit, there's a little bit of polish. But anyway, let's yeah, talk about the game. To bring it back around, <laughs> yeah. does, does that experience happen with the game? Do you get that feeling of the, the real terror that the yeah. film... So, no. <laughs> but I did... Uh, so I feel like I'm quite like um, not not as responsive to horror games anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've, yeah. I've seen a jump scare too many where it's, yeah, like, you've it's got, got a nullified. Now. Yeah, like I'm not trying to act like a big hard man <laughs> or anything, but but there was uh, moments in this game where I was actually like a bit unnerved. And I think it opens really, really strong, except for um, the clunkiness of the frame rate and the right. controls. Mm-hmm. Technical Ooh. technical issues aside, okay. I think it opens quite strong and it sets a, a quite a good scene. There's a scene right near the start when you're in the in the woods and you feel like you've already mapped this out, the woods right. out. Yeah. And then you take one turn and all of a sudden you're completely it's all lost. Different. Right. And cool. that is a it's a great at putting you in that situation. It's a, it's a, in terms of, for me to visualize it, it's kind of like an outlast in terms of, yeah, so, you, you don't have weapons, it's just yeah. first person trying to get so, through. So, uh, I'll try and speak 
like not spoilery at all mm-hmm. but you have you have a phone which is like an old not so this is really cool so you have like an old <laughs> nokia phone and you can actually like gta style flick through the menus of the phone oh, it's nice. got you can change like your wallpaper you can change <laughs> your ringtone it's also got a version of snake on there that you Amazing. can play Fantastic. i actually played that for like a good long while <laughs> just trying to get a high score on snake. that makes the game worth it completely uh then we've got the uh, there's a camcorder that mm-hmm. you pick up uh, to a certain point and it's got this really cool gameplay mechanic well, it's actually got quite a few unique ones, but one of the cool ones that you get early on is you find all these little DV tapes. And when you watch the DV tapes, it will show you a sequence of events. And pausing those sequence of events can reflect in the real world around you, can, okay. ah, can change things. Okay. Do you remember that game? Murder um, Soul Suspects? I've never played that game, right, so I can't okay. reference that. Mm-hmm. But do you remember uh, Singularity, that first yes. person shooter? Yeah. It's got elements of that where you can, you're can you manipulating the environment. So a good example is a very early one. It's not really spoiler to say. There's a huge tree in front of your way blocking your path. And if you watch the tape, at the, at the start of the tape, there's a very quick clip of the tr- of a tree being struck mm-hmm. by lightning. So if you watch that and pause it at the moment when the tree's up, then all of a sudden when you come off the camera, the tree's up. That's I really like cool. that. It's got a few cool mm-hmm. moments like that. Unfortunately, I think later in the game, they kind of steer away from that. It's it's very much a first half of the game sort of yeah. vibe. Okay. But they do... So I'd say it's about eight hours. If maybe it's maybe it could be six. Mm-hmm. Kind of lose track of time like much. <laughs> like the film, <laughs> yes. you know? Um, but after about half the game, they sort of change it all up a little bit. And it becomes, I think the middle of the game is a bit of a chore, to be honest. Right. I, I'm, I, at that point, I was, I'm sick of just walking through these woods. And I will say there are enemies of some kind in there. And once you suss out that system, how that works, yeah. they become less and less terrifying every time you have to deal with that situation. Right, yeah. Like once you get a good look at the enemy for the first time, it's kind of like the horror well, ne- over now. But you never actually get a good look. Okay. That's the thing. But but it's, it's very Blair Witch. You, yeah. I guess the thing is with games, they do have to follow a certain path of logic. And I suppose yeah. once you mm. figure out what laws they apply to them, <laughs> sure. then it's kind of broken. This, the fear then, goes then away. It, yeah. Then it becomes... I'm in a game, I know the process, yeah. the music triggers, okay, I know what to do in this situation, mm-hmm. and the fear gone, whereas the first time I encountered it, it was intense. Yeah. Very, and I died several times because of how intense mm-hmm. it was, because I just yeah. panicked and didn't know what to do. Um, there was the, A lot of the game is set at night, and that was the moments where I felt the fear. I remember I was playing it on a Friday night, and I was playing, I always like to play horror games late at night with yeah. the lights off, and... Uh, I was lost and there was lots of intense noise and sound. Mm. And then all of a sudden I get a text from my wife saying, can you come pick me up? She was at a friend's <laughs> house. And I had to drive through country lanes. Yeah? <laughs> and there was a bit of, I'm a bit scared right now, like worrying what's going to be around the corner and stuff. So yeah. it definitely has some power in that yeah. regard. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say the last hour of the game is for me by far the best part of the game and presumably because it follows similar beats to the absolutely, films yeah, absolutely that's like when if you get seen, into like a house or something right yeah if you've seen Blair Witch and if you've seen uh, sorry if you've seen Blair Witch Project and you've seen Blair Witch we're not talking about Blair Witch Project <laughs> 2 you very much know what the last act right is mm-hmm. and it's, it's that sort of vibe but it goes way beyond those films do okay and it it's less scary than more intense and just just uh, a constant maze of not knowing what's happening yeah. next and I find by far that was the best of the game and I worry that a lot of people might not get to that point mm-hmm. because of the clunkiness of the, the middle section sure yeah mm-hmm. and I guess so it's a fairly low budget production is it uh, yeah I believe so so it almost it fits nicely with the film right like the film yeah. was so low budget and- absolutely like they 
they never I mean some, the acting is definitely low budget <laughs> if I'm being honest some of the dialogue is as well uh, but there's, oh, there's also we haven't even mentioned you've got a dog as well called Bullet. can, can oh, you lovely. pet the dog oh, of course you can pet okay, the dog okay good this is a game in 2019 <laughs> it's got a dog in it you can pet that dog uh, so I found the dog to be um, like a hindrance and a positive <laughs> right right. Uh, so like I found uh, as a positive like it was a cool mechanic how you get the dog so the dog can find items for you it can also be it's your warning sign for mm. enemies as well which is really handy but also I found him being there constantly made me feel not as scared sometimes as like the dog's barking mm -hmm, so it's yeah. like uh, all the dogs just come out he's going here boy what have you found <laughs> and I was like I feel like I'm supposed to be terrified at this point and I've got a little companionship going so on so the dog just relaxed you through the entire horror experience well through some of it through <laughs> okay. some of it um, and there, there, there's elements you know I don't want to go into it but, yeah fair enough uh, I, but overall like if you like horror games and if you are like me a big fan of that series then it's absolutely worth playing. It doesn't really add anything to the lore of the films, but it yeah. does add stuff to the lore of just that world. Do, yeah. Does it take place in the same forest and during the same time period of the first film? So or is it set it takes in place day? two years before, uh, sorry, after the first film. Okay. So I believe there's a, from what I remember, there was a mention in the opening text about mm. the guys, that students being lost. Yeah. Uh, but the, you're on a completely different story. There's a young boy that's been lost there and there's this, you're a police officer and there's a search team in center. Right, okay. And you're part of that and you're just not with that group. Okay. And then you're trying to, you're always on the radio trying to talk to them at first and then mm. obviously things happen. And, <laughs> you know, it's, but uh, yeah, so it's not really connected in that regards, but um, but there's enough of the world. It's the same forest and then, and then the house will seem very other than it's a spoiler. <laughs> Maybe it is a spoiler to say you're in a house. But you know, if you see it's, the Blair Witch, Blair Witch film, yeah. like you're going to be in a house. The house point. is very familiar okay. in certain aspects. Mm. Well, it's it's on Game Pass, and Game Pass is dirt. I, I just had like three months of Game Pass for I think it's two quid. Yeah, what so I'll I'll have a look. So I guess yeah. if anybody's interested in it, grab that Game yeah, Pass yeah, offer at the I moment. It, yeah, yeah. If you've got a PC or an Xbox, um, another game that I've been thinking about playing that's also in the Spooks region that I know both of you have played is Man <laughs> of Medan. Yeah, how oh, is man. Jesse? How is Man of Medan? I've never been like just so disappointed with a game before. Oh, and that's a good start. I know. Oh, Did you never so, play Metal Gear Solid Four? <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed Metal Gear Solid Four. To oh. be honest, but listen, I was younger. Things were confusing you watching, back then. Did you enjoy watching Metal Gear Solid Four? Just, just skip those cutscenes straight to the gameplay. No, baby. There's nothing. There's no gameplay. <laughs> so, that's the problem. Yeah, I know. But anyways, Man of Medan. Like I was a humongous fan of Until Dawn, mm -hmm. and Until Dawn got a seven point five, and it seems like <clears throat> it seems like the perfect it's good got 7 game. Got seven point five from IGN. Yeah, from IGN, not just everyone. Yeah. That would be quite weird. <laughs> um, and it, it's kind of like the perfect good game. You can sit back, and you know there's a few problems, but you can have a lot of fun just from mm -hmm. the cast and like the kind of horror tropes they bring up into the game. But Man of Medan, I'm genuinely disappointed. Just outside of all the technical issues I faced, just the story and mainly the characters. They're just poor. So a group of kids go onto a ghost ship. They're not yeah. like, they're, they're, they're adults. Oh, yeah. fuck off. Yeah, they're absolutely yeah. adults. So, these, they're just a bunch of rich surfer dudes, man. I just, just hanging I out assumed, on a boat. like, those sort of, like collections of people going to it they all i always assume that they're like on spring yeah. break or no, something just, like that they're literally a bunch of rich people just going on well, an excuse not, to be idiots they're not all rich yeah. people but they're they're on a minus and what yeah they're one. on a, a boating trip right yeah. and uh yeah they're all mid mid 20s to late 20s right mm. okay uh, there's talk of like marriage and things like that so yeah there's there's oh, definitely God. not yeah <laughs> so that's the thing like jesse you're right in regards to the characters being bad but 
I don't think they're as bad as their acting and their dialogue is. I yeah, think that's with, what good, I mean with good acting and dialogue, those characters can be fine. Like yeah, they work sure. to tell the story because they work. They mm-hmm. all connect together. So, so it, they are well conceived characters, yes. but they're not well. Produced. They are no hideously the, performed. The acting like, is terrible. Eh? <laughs> there, I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple that are okay, but there, there's 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 three in there. Fliss, that, yeah, right. Fliss isn't. She's a stinker. But yeah. then uh, <laughs> there, there's Alex as well. Is not very good too. Yeah. It's like there's. Mm-hmm. And is that really much, takes care of it. Uh, obviously, Until Dawn had some known acting talent in it. Yeah. So it would have been the early years of Rami Malek's career. Yeah. Mm. And Hayden Panettiere yeah. was in it, who obviously had already graduated from, what, four seasons of Heroes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so you got, Just, yeah, you got Sean Ashmore. Who, okay. Is it Ashmore? Ashmore, yeah. I so so for Iceman from X-Men, yeah. Mm. He's been in some of the things. He's in Quantum Break mm-hmm. as well. Um, he's probably by far the best one unsurprisingly yeah. right uh so i don't know who nobody else is of note like including yeah. the entire the entire cast of um thou shall not be named bad guys you know <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna, but there is there is you know bad guys and stuff yeah. i think i think the whole thing really suffers with storytelling though i think for sure like i like so me and jesse uh jesse did a feature where we we're going through and trying to find as many deaths as we could and capture yep. so we got to see like i finished it twice you finished it three, three times. times yeah so we a slog <laughs> I, you say that but i really enjoy the aspect of like how you much you can manipulate the story like how many yeah the insignificant what might seem insignificant choices can really change the dynamic I like, like the this. same thing about until dawn as well but mm. in this like until dawn it seems a lot faster compared to man of madan man of madan yeah. where it just I don't know if that game just feels a lot more slower to me. It doesn't feel like a game where I can have a bunch of mates and we can play through Man of Medan yeah. and have fun. For me, Until Dawn felt like that. You say Man that, Man but Man of Medan is significically shorter. It is. For half the time. So I it's guess what, about five hours? Yeah, yeah it's about five yeah. hours. But it's just because for me, it wasn't as fun as Until Dawn, which even though it's longer, you can still have a bunch of mates and have a good time with it. Yeah. But with Man of Medan, they have a specific mode. I think it's called like, what is it, Movie Night? Yeah. Or something night, yeah. where you're like, it's the to... couch co op one, right? Yeah, basically. But the game just doesn't feel as fun that it deserves a mode like that. Yeah, I mean, you can see why they did that, right? Based on yeah, the feedback of Until Dawn, and I think with like good performances and good stories and something else, I'll get to in a second. It could have been fun, but you're right. Like, yeah, like those games are interactive movies, right? Yeah, for sure. And but I think the things that drag it down are the having to walk around the environments and right. clunkily walk around these environments never quite yeah. sure which way's a doorway and which is not sometimes you get stuck in the environment yeah. and sometimes there might be a queue for you to pick up an item and it might not be in the correct angle you're standing in and it can be mm-hmm. quite confusing at times I as think well. I think those elements take you out of the story aspect of it yeah. and also there is the second half of the game is significant repetition with these hallways it's just another hallway on a yeah. ghost ship right sure. like, not even mm-hmm. a ghost ship it's like a ghost tanker from like <laughs> 50 years ago it's almost yeah. like you know when you get TV shows and they have to have the bottle episode where they've just got one set and everything yeah. happens on the same set and you end up seeing the same that. rooms over and over again I mean there's yeah. even like characters at one point saying like I'm sure we've seen this room before and I guess that's the idea of like you're getting lost but the game never it, that's not an element of the game like Blair Witches mm-hmm. where you know you're, you're supposed to be getting lost in this environment yeah. it's just the characters don't know where they're going and it's <laughs> like when it's another in the hallway on a boat yeah. and it's like I've seen this before and I guess it doesn't help because the environment is literally like a military tanker so yeah. a lot of the environments are going to look the same you're either going to be in the mess hall or the cargo hold or this hallway or you know whatever kind of other room yeah. and there's just there's not much to explore and see in this no. game there is one really cool sequence that actually um, leads into 
the idea of of the same hallway is very very PT. Yeah, okay. like you're you're visiting the same hallway over and over again. Huh. My first playthrough didn't even see that. Oh, <laughs> so right. that that isn't that is inevitably the problem with these games. Like you can have some of your best sequences and you yeah. don't get that playthrough. I, I completely yeah. missed out on a chapter that you experienced, and I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, so either. Is there any sort of like praise to be put? put on the fact that there is so many options that this absolutely game, like that like is break yeah. open for me that is the thing that makes this game that's why i finished mm. it twice yeah. because i i love playing through these sort of games and then just going back and saying right i'm going to do the exact opposite choice of every <laughs> single thing i do because i want to see yeah. what happens and you know in telltale games when you do that Telltale is more smoke and mirrors yes, than it is yeah, genuine choice. Every time you usually you come straight back to where you mm -hmm. were anyway, it's just a different dialogue tree. Yeah. Whereas this, I feel like there's, and until dawn as well, it feels like the consequences are far more severe. Yeah. Like there's there's a bit in the first hour of the game where one character can, if you make these right choices with this character, he can just leave the game and he's done. Yep. <laughs> like but not, not necessarily die, but literally escape yeah. mm -hmm. and just be out of it completely. Yeah. And then like, so I've, there's one character I've still not seen the last second third of, the, of <laughs> sorry, the last third of the game as him okay. because I've either escaped or died beforehand. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think it's definitely, it's, it's quite flexible. The the endings are kind of, they're, they're, they're not always, they're always got elements of similarity, but yeah. you know, it's it's like Unto Dawn, it's, it's who lives and who dies yeah. is what your ending is. Mm -hmm. really. yeah, I, th I think it's got a lot of merit and I think, the next one hopefully will be a lot better considering what it's got little hope yeah well called. considering we got we know we've got acting chops in there already yeah. as well so that's yeah. a start as well Walters in that one yeah. isn't he i just think i think they need to invest in some real actors or <laughs> better actors <laughs> and um just refine their scripts a little bit more 100% um, obviously that's hard to do when you've got so many permutations and stuff like that yeah, so, so got, much how many how many games do they want to release in this anthology like 8 or 6 well, I think or something they're starting with a guarantee is it 4 they've got in production at the moment okay. but I think they've got ambitions of maybe doing 8 yeah I check our if you go on on Joe I think has written some stuff about this mm. on on IGN.com if you check there, I think there's a little bit more yeah. maybe expanding on that, but I I think we'll probably get three. Yeah. I think I think the the turnaround is maybe too quick, where it's very much a telltale situation where when Walking Dead was out and when Wolf Among Us was out, mm -hmm. I was like, I'll play these games forever. I love these yeah. telltale games. Yeah. And sure. then I only took a few of them and then I'm like <laughs> Oh yeah, Tales from the Borderlands out. Yeah, I'm going to give that a miss. Yeah. Actually, it's a did, shame because Tales from the Borderlands it. is very good. <laughs> well, I disagree, but really? I, I, I feel like I'm the only person in the world who disagrees. Ah, with. It's the only Borderlands game I really like. I just don't think it's Crazy. funny. But I don't think Borderlands is funny. No, either. so I don't think Borderlands is funny. But I no. think the humour is slightly different. I think that trap kind of just like turns me off Borderlands and it's disgusting He's one I don't mind. I just think in general, I just think Borderlands, the, the tone of its comedy mm. is just not for me at all. I don't yeah. find it funny. And Tales from the Borderlands was. Almost only wackier, relying on that. I think it's yeah. wackier than the normal thing. Is. Uh, but anyway, so, we're on. Anyway, a I can finish it here. though. So, yeah. uh, so yes, I um, with Telltale sort of dropped off almost like four games in. So mm -hmm. I could yeah. see myself doing this, especially if they've got such a quick turnaround. I think they'd be better off waiting, doing one a year. Just even yeah. the technical issues. Like I know technical issues and story like stuff like that but um, mm. when that I was, bothered you way more than it bothered me it bothered me just because when I was playing through the game at home and I've been swapping between the PS4 Pro and a PlayStation 4 on each of the consoles like even though the PS4 Pro is meant to have better performance I still had tons of dropped frames the game crashed on me three times when I was playing at home really? twice when I was playing in the office oh I never had that and there were times when the dialogue would get out of sync when I was playing the game and okay. like all these things like you know frame drops and everything they are just technical issues and they yeah. can be patched but when I'm playing a game for the story and you know there's a pivotal moment and there's a freeze or the dialogue goes out of sync 
it takes me out. Yeah. And that's just really off It's mad that happens because I don't remember until Dawn suffering with those issues. Maybe they just had a lot more I think, polished time. Yeah, around. like they had more of a backing from Sony. They had a lot more money and I'm sure they had a lot more time to create until Dawn. Like I've, yeah. I've, I remember it being like, it was a PS3 game, wasn't it originally? Or an Xbox 360, it was part play, of that generation. It was right? a PlayStation Move game at first, yeah. but it was in development for quite a long time. Yeah, so they had a lot of time to like refine things, mm-hmm. but Man Dan just felt a bit rushed to me yeah. oh well never mind talking <laughs> of choices and stuff like that Dale um, you've been playing Erica yeah so this is this completes the trifecta yeah. of horror <laughs> although Erica I didn't realise Erica's yeah, not actually say. a straight up horror it's an interactive right? it's, thriller isn't it it's less of a horror game more of a thriller yeah but mm. there are moments where there's some gore in there and okay. then there's some Ooh. like some trying to be tense moments mm-hmm. um, <laughs> trying to that that sort of suggests to me maybe you didn't have the best time with her no so you know how I said on Man of Medan I was yeah. like <laughs> I had issues with it but in the end I finished it and then I finished it again mm-hmm. yeah I'm not going to go back to Erica <laughs> oh, ever no. again and it's only like 90 minutes long as right, well right okay I can't um, imagine the, like the technical there's no technical mm-hmm. issues I'm sure it's just performance no right? there's no technical issues Um, uh, uh it's not the main problem with that game is its story is bollocks <laughs> and the acting is equally shite probably yeah. uh, I don't know if it's worse, worse than Fliss uh, I, I, I guess I, the thing is with Erica because Erica is a FMV game yeah. so yes. you are literally seeing real people yes, real on actors, film yeah. mm. I think all the flaws in acting comes through when you can physically see the person where yeah. if they are being translated through a polygon character yeah. you lose some of the nuance also I think yeah. there's that subconscious thing of we've been seeing bad acting in video games for yeah. like 20 years yeah. and you just elements of being forgiving for it because but you're more interested seen, in what the game yeah. feels like mm-hmm. yeah but now I've seen actual people with yeah. bad acting and oh, it's probably it's very transparent yeah. oh god but the um, <laughs> sorry I just had a sip of water uh, the the story, though, I think is just not an engaging story. It's not well put together mm. at all. What, what if, is the game actually about? Because I don't so, know anything um, about it. I don't know what they've said, actually. I don't want to go too spoilery. So yeah. uh, basically, there's this girl, Erica, mm-hmm. and it's the very first scene, so I'll say that. Uh, she's with her dad, and her dad is teaching her about certain stuff. And then her, someone murders her dad right. like, in front of her. Oh. and But she doesn't know who it is. She just sees like a shadowy figure. Right, okay. And then it cuts to when she's an adult, and then there's signs of this person coming back right. to get her. Okay. Um, it goes in... So it's a revenge of, thriller then is what it is, I Well, suppose. I don't know if it's necessarily revenge. It's more just her trying to survive, really. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, but then you find out elements of her dad's history mm-hmm. and his past and then... I don't want to go so into it. So this sounds like it would do it for me. Is yeah. it just, I, but I suppose maybe, the presentation... Maybe it you should play The Bunker instead, because that was a, a so better I, game. I, I thought that was really poorly acted as well. <laughs> really? like, I played The Bunker, it was fine, but it was just... That was another one that's poorly put together. And I think the reason why they're poorly put together is because of the choice system. Mm-hmm. I right. think they're not refined as like Supermassive do with theirs. Whereas I feel like oftentimes if I'm making certain... I make certain choices, it means I skip out... I miss out on loads of plot points and loads yeah. of information. And then does it feel like you're trying to watch a film that had like, you know, can you remember when your DVDs used to get scratched and it would just skip like <laughs> yeah. three chapters Absolutely. and you'd be like, where the hell's my storyline? I sometimes actually felt like actors were responding to things, how it didn't make sense to me because I didn't have that information, mm-hmm. which the actor on script had that information. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt like that a few times and it felt like when you're watching one of these, you want it to be more of a movie and it definitely felt like there's certain conclusions and certain paths you can take that didn't feel cinematic at all. It do just think, felt, like, felt damp. You know? Do you think that's more of a limitation of the actual kind of game is since it's FMV and not just like kind of in-game? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know. It depends on, like, I think it's, it's always a problem down to 
their plotting, right, of the story, yeah. of how they work out these branching narratives and how they do it. And I think because you have to you have to accommodate for the worst possible route, right? And still make that an engaging mm -hmm. story. Yeah. And I think with this one, that's its biggest problem. Mm. Um, I can speak complimentary about it as well. I've got some things to compliment. <laughs> okay, so I think it looks quite beautiful. Nice. I think they shot it very nice. Um, doesn't also, look like a BBC 50i no, sort of thing. No, no, I think, I, think, <laughs> I think it looks quite nice. It's got some really nice colors in it as well. Um, but I also, so it's, I don't know if anyone knows actually, I should probably explain how the system works. So you don't actually have to play it on controller. Is it so, a PlayLink game, is it? So it's like PlayLink. I don't think it's actually branded as PlayLink, mm -hmm. but you download an Erica app. It's called oh. the Erica app, I think. <laughs> That's kind and, of cool, actually. And so it's, it gets even cooler, actually, because it's not just like, um, what were the other PlayLink games? Like Hidden Agenda or something yeah, like yeah. that. It's got way more interactivity to it. So you're basically, your touchscreen is the, like a mouse. Right. So you're controlling a pointer on screen that mm. goes around and highlights words, what you want to choose. But there's also interactive elements. Like at the start, you you have a lighter, you flick the light open, you strike the light <laughs> oh, out, like you that. turn the light onto it and you do it all with a touchpad. Kind of, quant you know how Quantic Dream do their games, a lot of like how yes. you turn the razor on yeah, and yeah, begin yeah, to hit yeah. But without and... using analog sticks, yeah, it's yeah, doing yeah. with touchscreen. So mm. there's bits like where you have to like separate two pieces from either side, like a piece of clothing, mm -hmm. and then you have to pinch and pull from each side. I like that. And those part of it, when it started, I was like, this is really cool. I love the implement implementation. Uh, it does kind of wear a bit thin after a while and I felt halfway in I was could already sense what the gesture was going to be and I was already just smashing it on my <laughs> thing just to get through it yeah. like I if you're going to open a box just open the pissing box I yeah. don't need to drag the yeah. box open you know wait does that mean the entire game like clings onto the fact that you have to have obviously everyone has a phone but you need to have the phone to play so, the game uh, your PS4 pad has a touchpad. Oh, so yeah, it, right. you can, and I tried it when I when I finished the game. I just tried on the menu swap into the controllers to see if it made a difference. Yeah, and it just it, you just use the touchpad like a phone. Okay, which cool. is a way smaller screen. Yeah, and less intuitive to use. So <laughs> yeah. absolutely use your phone. All right, this. cool. Um, not that I'm recommending getting <laughs> this game, um, but over overall, like I think again, just like Man of Medan, there's uh, there's things to like, and I think with a uh, more iteration, it can be something. I just think this was the delivery of this was all wrong, yeah. and um, just work on work on your plotting of your narrative and mm -hmm. this, and your story. I Sometimes think. you've got to get that first game out to know where you went wrong, sure, right? Because absolutely. when yeah. you're on the project, you can't necessarily see the wood for the trees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I think, uh, like, hopefully with critical feedback, you know, from people like us, from other outlets, maybe their next game will be what that first game should have been. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's 90 minutes. I feel like it could be shorter. Mm -hmm. I could feel like, I feel like you could maybe do an episodic thing where you've got like eight episodes of a TV show and you drop one a month and then and it's like a new episode. Like yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that would be a better way to digest it because after about an hour or so, I did, I did feel a bit like, you know, I want to be playing a game. I, I'll do it. Maybe it's because I played Man of Medan beforehand yeah. as well. And I was maybe very similar. Yeah. And maybe stuff. I was sick of it, but I, I just, I wanted to sort of push the plot on at that point. <laughs> so I made some mad decisions at some point. <laughs> there was one bit, um, it's not spoiled to say one person, one character invites me to a certain area and it's a very like sort of creepy area. And then they say, um, if you're not going to do this thing, you might as well just leave. And it was very much like that scene in Team America when he goes, <laughs> okay, thanks. And then just, I said, leave. And then I just walked out and just got out the door and that was it, the scene ended. Awesome. <laughs> and then I read I read online afterwards, I wanted to read like what the, because I wasn't going to play it again. I wanted to see what the different options were. Yeah. And there's a whole, there's a whole thing that goes on there and then she becomes an ally and stuff. I missed all of that just because I left immediately. <laughs> that's, that's an example though of elements where sometimes the telltale formula does work because mm. yeah. 
although you don't feel like there's much variation, you know, there is a story that they're telling there. I really like, I mean, I know that Telltale, unfortunately, aren't around anymore, yeah. but yeah. I've played almost every one. Aside from the Minecraft ones, I've played every Telltale game. Yeah. Mm. And genuinely, like, in their latter days, even though they were obviously treating their workers fairly badly by the sounds yeah. of it and <laughs> fucking up all the licensing. Yeah. Second season of Batman absolutely so, phenomenal I really like the first season of Batman I, I don't know why I never went to second one which is, which is all to do with like the actions that you do influence how the Joker becomes the Joker oh, and it can cool. either be someone that do you know what I did play that I'm just yeah. remembered, just remembered now yeah because yeah. I followed it because I love Batman I went yeah. like the canon route and yeah. I made that the Joker was this horrendous like really grim figure but you can have it the other way where you, you try and turn guy. him into a vigilante but he's not really a good guy because he, he'll do <laughs> yeah. pretty bad things but he thinks he's doing it for the right reasons right, okay. I like that though I like the idea of having like an A story, a B story, and a C story. Yeah. And you're just, your decisions are just leaning you down those yeah. paths, but it's still a story to yeah. be told. Mm-hmm. Did, did you ever play Bandersnatch? Yes. Yeah. How does um, Erica compare to that? Because um, I guess they're the, they're the same genre. Thing without they're, uh, yes, interactivity. They're, they're yeah. very similar, except for Bandersnatch has um, a lot better um, performances. Yeah. I found it to be in, a lot more engaging. I did enjoy Bandersnatch. Um, but ultimately, it is a bit forgettable. Like, right, okay. I, I, I'm not, I'm not thinking about playing anything like that ever again at the mm-hmm. moment. So, yeah, um, similar level, just less on um, performance ability and writing. I guess like Charlie Book is a great writer, and even though I think Bandersnatch is probably, I think it's one like, of the weakest yeah. Black Mirror episodes. It's still a Black Mirror episode, which yeah. is still better than most television. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Right. Let's get on with the endless search. Inside. It's a UK IGN crew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside. I got a question for you. Hold tight the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Right, since it's me on the quiz, it's going to be another another round of PG tips because that's the one I really like. <laughs> that's basically your game now. Yeah, yeah. So I've taken I it. sort of claimed it. I I think PG tips was emailed in by someone um, when you know when the endless. Yeah. I mean the endless search is still like if you've got ideas for the endless search, send them in. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, we we got one sent in last week for the first time in ages, and yeah. we actually just played it. <laughs> so <laughs> if your game is good. We it becomes it. part of the rotation. <laughs> yeah, there. Are, I mean, the one that we did last week, I loved, absolutely yeah, loved. It was really that, good fun to listen to. Yeah. yeah, and that was, I think Peter Gorbert sent that in, yes. one of the regular listeners, and I think we'll definitely play that again at some point because I bloody loved that. Yeah, yeah, so much yeah. fun. It was like, like a genuine laugh. But PG Tips is the one that like I, I've really taken to. If it was you that, that put it in, because I can't remember who it was, mm-hmm. do let me know because yeah. I'd like to actually give your name a shout again. But anyway, uh, to carry on with the theme, horror games yep. is what mm. we're going to be doing. And I'm actually going to stick horror to... Horror games and Breakpoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to go back to... I used to just not bother with the points rules, but I realised the points actually make this yeah, quite, quite good. Yeah, it needed competitive element. Yeah, so obviously, um, if you can... There are four clues for each of the films, and there are four films. If you can get it on the first one, you get four points. But if it takes you to the last clue, you only get one okay, point. So it's films, mm. not games? It's films this week, yeah. Okay, like, I do right. want to do it with games at one point, but because we were doing horror, I thought horror films. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, there's no link between them, so there's no bonus points. But okay. what I will say is they are sort of all linked by their classic horror movies. Mm. So don't be thinking of anything that came out this decade. Okay. Oh, okay. I feel like mm-hmm. Dale might have the advantage. Well, mm-hmm. only if I know them. Right. <laughs> okay, so film one. 
Clue one. Bear in mind, for anyone that doesn't know, all of the uh, clues come from the parental guidance on IMDb written by lunatics that yeah, write on IMDb. Parents. So, clue one. A man is killed with an axe blow to the chest. Bloody, but not excessively so. With a what to the chest? With an axe. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. Um, American Psycho? No. Fuck. That's not a horror film. I mean, it can I be. I suppose it I is. Guess. Yeah. It depends yeah. on it depends. what, your, what yeah. your capacity is. It's a brilliant film, though. Um, oh, God. I know someone that uh, I think Friday Patrick the Bateman 13th. is someone to look up to. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Interesting dude. Does he bang on about his, <laughs> his business cards as well? <laughs> uh, no, it's not Friday the 13th. Okay. Mm. Shall we go on? Next clue. A man kisses a hallucination of a naked woman. Oh. Uh, the Shining? Oh, shit, I was yes. just about to say that. Yes, Damn yes it. please. <laughs> so Dale gets three points. Really should have got it from the first clue, mm, thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Right, we'll get, I'll, just, I'll give you the other one as well. So there was then the scene where a woman finds a room where a man is kneeling down in a bear costume with another man. It's a very bizarre <laughs> and might creep out some viewers. I, mean, the, I feel it's like you could use those. a lot less words to describe what's yeah. going yeah. on there. And then the next one, the last one for the for the one point would have been an elevator lets out a river of blood. This image yeah, that would have been several easy. times. Yeah. That's, that's such a good scene, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Have you have you, have you seen Ready Player One? Yes. That like uh, Ready Player One, I think, is a middling movie. There are bits yeah. about it I really yeah. like, and there's bits that I absolutely. Left. But that, that scene where they recreate The Shining. Like, so mm. are we just openly talking about the the fact that the second game now is The Shining? Because <laughs> I remember when I saw that film, I felt like there was a long period where we couldn't talk about that. Oh, because it's been. You wanted, it was last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But I, but I wanted people who hadn't seen it to be surprised yeah. by it the first time yeah. that. That's that whole section, the second section, is so good. It makes the rest of the film feel so shit. Yeah, like, I can't remember I, anything that I, really I quite happens. like the race. I think the race. Yeah, is I cool. think the I think the third challenge, like the yeah. last half of that film, is like bollocks. Yeah, I, yeah. I could not care less about. Mm-hmm. But the shiny sequence is so so it's good. Just, everything about it is right. But anyway, yeah. we're playing a game. Yeah. <laughs> film two. Two girls share a cigarette as they walk home from school. Mm. Halloween. Jesse, oh my well god! Done. I remember that specific scene. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had Rosemary's Baby in my head. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what that film's about. Never what? seen it. You never seen Rosemary's Baby? No. Oh, you should watch it. Oh, that's mm. a Ira Levin one, isn't it? It's um, um, Polanski. Polanski, the yeah, it's Polanski, yeah. Roman Polanski, mm-hmm, and it's um, yeah. It, I saw that as a as a young man. God, and that's not yeah, it is, as a young man. And it, and it disturbed me quite intensely. <laughs> oh, sorry. There's a couple of horrible bits in that film anyway okay. anyway do you want the other clues yes. or should we do yeah. no, so, the other, so, please. Uh, a woman's dead body is seen stashed in a closet her robe is partly open oh, yeah. revealing a small <laughs> portion of one of her breasts That's although it's is. not yep. visible because the scene is darkly lit oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and then the villain grabs a girl from behind in a car and begins strangling her they struggle for several seconds until the man slits the girl's throat with a kitchen knife no blood is shown the throat slitting is extremely brief <laughs> And then a girl is attacked by the villain for a final time as he attempts to strangle her. They struggle for several seconds until another man enters the room and shoots the villain six times, causing him to fall oh, off a balcony God. to his presumed death in the yard below. Well, no blood spoilers. Is That's the most gangster scene on Halloween. It's great. Yeah, sorry if you've not seen Halloween. <laughs> Which was released how many years ago? Oh, God knows. Fucking hell. I don't know that That's one. Mad. Something like that. Um, all right, film three. Let's do it. During a fight between two characters, there are several pornographic posters on the cabin wall depicting women. Some of them are fully nude, with breasts completely and clearly visible. The hills of eyes. No. 
Doesn't it take place in like mountains and stuff? There could have still been posters on the wall. Yeah, like I I feel like that rings a bell massive, but it wasn't. So moving on. It was advised 2016 or whatever it was. (laughs) Probably earlier. I can't think of anything. Uh, This is is my favourite clue in the entire uh, game Mm. this week is a note to animal lovers. Though the cat is in danger throughout the film, he survives. Alien. Alien. Yes. Fuck. (laughs) Thank you. That was close though. It was real close. Dale gets another three. I think that's like the only horror film I can think of where cat is prominent throughout the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the cat's name, Jesse? Fucking cat too. I don't know. (laughs) Unbelievable, Jesse. I prefer aliens, not alien. Just that's it. I mean, the cat is in, I mean, sort of in aliens. Isn't it like dead at the start? Right at the start. Right at the start. He's still in it. I don't remember the fucking name of the cat. Fuck the cat. Jonesy. (sighs) Right. uh, The other uh, clues would have been a robotic character's dead body set on fire with a (laughs) flamethrower. We see his fake latex skin burn up and peel back. Alright, a mannequin like shell (laughs) of a skull. No blood and not very graphic as the character is a robot, but still (laughs) fairly disturbing. I like how that's clarified that twice. Ah, I I think it's very that is very graphic. Yeah, it, you just see his really? face melt in there. Yeah. Don't you? Like, just because he's a synthetic, he's still a human. Yeah. It's just a fake human. He has human. feelings, okay? And then the final one would have been a man is hit on the head with a fire extinguisher and a white substance comes out of him. He then is he's then hit once more. His head tears off moments later. We see he's a robot. Afterwards, the crew asks him questions. And at first, he answers with splutters and spurts. His blood is white and milky, though. Mm. Right. Final one. A teenage girl's mother calls her breasts dirty pillows. Oh, my Carried. God. <laughs> well done, Jesse. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get in. Bastard. I've never even seen the film. I just know about that scene. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, <laughs> this. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I think this is the quickest ever PG tips we've ever done. I mean, like... There's a three, a three, and a four, yeah, and four. Yeah. And lucky for me, Jesse got the two four. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, well, well done, Jesse. Well Thank done, you very mate. much. Yeah, um, so the the next one would have been the protagonist's mother is a religious zealot who verbally, emotionally, and even physically abuses her daughter. Mm. This may be intense for some viewers. A teen boy and a teen girl attempt to run over another teen girl, but the car flips over and explodes, killing them both. Jesus. <laughs> and then the one-pointer would have been a teen girl massacres the pro- people at a prom using a telekinetic powers. This may be intense for some viewers. I feel like I need to watch that film. <laughs> Carrie's brilliant. Yeah. The remake? Yeah. Or... No, no, watch the original. Yeah. Okay. The, cool. the Sissy Sp- Sissy Spacker? Yeah. There's all, almost, with horror films, almost definitely always watch <laughs> always the original. Watching the original. Yeah, like, yeah. I can remember, um, like, my mum and dad used to go and see horror films when they were dating. Yeah. Um, and I can remember they were telling me Carrie was the B movie, and they can't remember for the life of them what the A movie was. Oh, but really? Carrie yeah, was yeah. so good, it just overshadowed oh whatever the A was. Oh. Do you think you've ever, has there ever been a horror film where you think the remake is better? Um, not that I can. I can think of a couple. Think. I mean, My dad is convinced that the remake of The Omen is better than the original, and he's fucking bonkers. I've never seen the remake. I've so never, so I haven't badass. seen either of them. Oh God! Yeah, they're, they're get on the good. Omen. You yeah. need to watch some horror films, mate. There's I just a, like, like, I, 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 I know a lot about the hor- these horror films. I've watched tons mm-hmm. of documentaries that go like you know behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. I love a lot of that. Why do you watch that and not I, the film? I don't know because like it'll come up on my YouTube recommended, mm-hmm. and we're like, I want to learn about this film and the production have you ever seen, of it. Have you ever seen, not that like. Obviously, The Exorcist is a one-no film, but yeah, the that. making of stuff behind that is fascinating. No, I haven't seen that. Do you, do you know the whole... Because I can't watch The Exorcist. Like, it genuinely yeah. fucking terrifies me. But have you tried to watch it? I've tried, stop? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I do really want to watch it because I know how well-regarded it is, yeah. but I do. I think I've got to do it, like, with someone I, else. I mean, I, I haven't I'm seen it in a long you, time, man. but I, I do think it is a en- very engaging film, but yes, yeah. yeah, it's... It's, it it's a sequel, f- didn't it? 
You've got loads of sequels. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Exorcist yeah. 2 is well known for being an absolute All, oh, right. all <laughs> horror films get really load of crappy sequels, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah. I think, uh, I th- like I said earlier, I think The Hills of Eyes, I thought the remake was yeah. a lot better than the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Dawn of the Dead remake was better as well. So I think the Dawn of the Dead remake is good. Uh, in terms of older remakes, obviously The Thing is actually yes. a remake. I yeah, think yeah, that, yeah. You know, like The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, remake of The Fly, because obviously The Fly was a 1950s is that with, oh, film. Is that with Yeah, the Gold Bloom one is great, but I'm pretty sure that is a remake and I might be wrong but I don't know if like Peter Cushing was the original like um, yes. I, I didn't know it was a remake I yeah, Randolph Tarkin mm-hmm. get in <laughs> um, I might be wrong on that but I'm yeah. fairly sure the original fly might have come out in like the 50s or the 60s and the Jeff Goldblum okay. one is a remake I'm sure actually- people will write in and tell yeah, me yeah, that yeah. You're if wrong. I'm wrong <laughs> please feel free to berate me in, <laughs> in feedback which talking of feedback yeah, nice let's segue. get on to that yes Who's at so first? Jesse. This would be me, and I have some pretty spicy feedback, which actually relates to a thing I love. Okay. So let's go through. Sup, long-time listener. Clarifications on the Mandalorian stuff from the big hang old on, hang Star on. Wars who, who's, who's the email I from? I was going to get to it in a second. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, this is from Mike Cunningham, which is a pretty juicy name. I quite like it. <laughs> juicy. juicy and spicy. What yeah. is it? I don't know, man. Today? I'm just kind of hungry. Sounds like a really good chicken thigh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Cunningham thigh. I quite like it. Not yours, though just another one so clarification on the Mandalorian stuff from the big old Star Wars nerd which is I guess is Mike it's IG-11 not IG-88 new character fellas get it right sorry I I appreciate you guys weren't on last week's podcast Yeah. yeah we did get it wrong typical so it's set just after Return of the Jedi like six years post Endor I think so Favreau slash Filoni I think I did I say that right? Mm. I don't know. Um, has said that Boba Fett won't be in it. They're basically doing a story about what everyone thought Boba Fett was in the 80s when he was still a mysterious dude in a cool helmet, not just the clone of Django. Also, in regards to the rise of Skywalker chat, Sif, dark side user, the Sif are a specific order and belief system. All Sif are dark siders, not all dark siders are Sif. And with Uncle Palps, Google the world between worlds and Lord Momin. Cheers, lad. Love the pod, Mike Cunningham. <laughs> I. I, I really lost what yeah, we were. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of words there. <laughs> so he's trying to clarify like yeah, yeah, the it. difference between the Sith and the Dark Side users. But when it comes to IG eleven and IG eight, yeah. they basically look the same. I, I think. I well, think, presumably they're the same model. Yeah, they are the yeah. same. They are the IG mm-hmm. droid. I think with the bounty hunters, he raises a valid point that he got it yeah. wrong. With the rest of it. Chill out, mate. You don't need to worry about it. Just picky, you're picking at hairs, yeah? Like, yeah. Yeah, like I said last week, like I don't actually know a lot about The Mandalorian, largely because I know I'm going to watch it, Yeah. so yeah. I'll get there eventually. Absolutely, yeah. If you only watch the films, you know nothing about The Mandalorians other than Django well, I know they're a race. But they never, really, they never really mention that. I'm pretty sure you never hear the word Mandalore or Mandalorians no, not in straight the films. from the films, but you know. It just they are known to be like a proud warrior race, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But are you guys a big fan of Boba Fett? Because I, I, I have Fett. a problem with him. If you just watch the films, he's kind of a loser. Well, he yeah, just, well, you, you're not seeing it from the sense of the Empire Strikes come back. Empire <laughs> Strikes Back comes out, and then you've got three years before Return of the Jedi, yeah. where and he was built up as this was, cool character, yeah. and then Return of the Jedi, he's treated like a bit of a bitch. Because <laughs> <laughs> Han Solo's blind, waxes jetpack, and then he screams and dies. Yeah, um, but he was like a real like. There was a lot of mystique around him. I think the idea was that. Like, they never even... Do they even say Boba Fett in those films? Oh, no. no, they do in Return of the Jedi. He says Boba mm-hmm. Fett, Boba Fett, yeah. you know, when he's worn him. But before that, you didn't know. You'd, the only reason we knew his name was because of the toys and stuff. Yeah. I and thought it was because of the Christmas special, like, his well, name the, was in the credits. The Kenner um, action figure of Boba Fett was one of the best-selling toys yeah. from that range. Like, right. everybody fucking wanted it. Yeah. cool, uh, like, that mysterious design. character. Yeah, yeah, like, he was like, probably the coolest-looking character. He has a cool ship as well. and it, I think Slave one. 
Yeah. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Jesse, we all know Star Wars, We've got mate. Wikipedia in yeah, the human yeah. form. I know, yeah. man. But I think uh, the fact that his armor's uh, it's, it's old, it's worn in, it's got all this yeah. damage on it, it shows that... Like, a lot of mystery behind like what has this character been up to mm -hmm. what has yeah. he done and he is you know he looks like a force to be reckoned with obviously they made him a it's bit weak in Return of Jedi but yeah. you know he is a he was a great character and I think the prequels absolutely did him a huge disservice like really? made him to be something he's not or what people wanted well, him to be well you kid say. version of him Right. But no, but yeah. it's about more where he comes from. The Camino right, okay. storyline, I don't like. Oh, uh, utter I love the mystery of you know when Obi Wan is telling um, uh, Luke, Luke about, about the Clone Wars. There was the yeah. Clone Wars and yeah. the mystery of what that could have been yeah. to what it actually turned out to be is actually like it's again the thing. The big problem I have with the prequels is it's all about fucking bureaucracy yeah. and the signing of contracts, trade and, negotiations. Yeah, and all it's that just shit. like oh, they, some fucking idiot signed up for a clone <laughs> army. What a genius! And yeah. inevitably, a problem with prequels in general, not just the Star Wars. One, but highlighted in the Star Wars one is that sort of the architect effect which is like this thing from like Matrix uh, what's the second Matrix Reloaded, Reloaded yeah. where you've got this huge scene at the end where you've got 10 minutes of somebody in a room just telling you what's going Everything, on yeah. it's like that's not great storytelling that's just, yeah. if you happen to do this data dump you know just like tell you all this information and Star Wars is that it's like I've been wondering what are midi-chlorians well midi-chlorians like, yeah. do we really can we not just have Quite a bit of mystery just like ruined yeah. everyone's childhood when what? he like talked about midi-chlorians oh George Lucas so it, did it's yeah. like, like last week I brought up the fact that kind of obviously um, the Dark Crystal had come out and obviously that TV show is a prequel but that mm -hmm. seems to be doing prequels right in which yeah. it just it makes that universe richer rather yes. than feeling like it has yeah. to Oh, every single thing that you saw in the in the original film, here is a reason for it. And yeah, yeah. in several examples, there is that, but it is built through a richness. Like it's one of the like now I'm most of the way through. I genuinely think it's one of the best films I've watched, okay, one of the best yeah. series I've seen this year. And it is just because it feels rich and lovingly created yeah. rather than made because. It, you, you think yeah. you've got a check yeah. sheet in front of you and yeah, you think yeah. you've got to tell every, right, everybody's going to want to know where Boba Fett came from they're going to know yeah. this and the, because of that it makes it all feel forced or like the idea of Boba Fett being like a clone mm -hmm. and part of that the clone army feels like right we need to explain clone wars and we need to explain Boba Fett yeah. let's just smash it all together and make it work and that's <laughs> yeah. what in the yeah. entire prequels how have we got on a rant about prequels yeah. here but that's what it all feels like <laughs> I, and also I appreciate Jesse we are smashing your childhood to pieces <laughs> I know, I know that's like, the... I, I know how bad sometimes the writing can be mm -hmm. through most of yeah. the prequel trilogy and stuff for me like obviously I was watching it as a kid I loved all the action yeah, of course. I loved like the weapons and the spaceships and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that's why I mainly appreciate that's why I'm reading through all the comics right now and going through a lot of the books and stuff like that like I'm just there for the action when it and comes some of the, the modern production. comics are actually quite good and yeah. do a better expanded universe yeah 100% anyway yes. feedback two we get distracted easy. very easy we do that's IGN in a nutshell there's, there's so <laughs> many just leaping from one idea to yeah. the next right this is from Francis Jackson Hello, chaps. Oh, well, I know it was three weeks ago, but again, this guy's got a good memory. Uh, three weeks ago, but thanks very much for Podcast 500. You're welcome. We'd all forgotten Podcast 500. Yeah. <laughs> it was well No, fun. it was a great time. Great time, and it was lovely seeing familiar faces. Thank you very much for turning up. Uh, last week, you asked, who do you think should sing the next Bond theme? And I thought I would chip in with my suggestion, even if not a Bond fan, but he generally enjoys the theme songs. Okay. Firstly, I approve of Simon suggesting Tool, <laughs> but I want it to be a 12-minute prog metal epic just to see people's faces. <laughs> Jesting, <Yeah. laughs> Jesting aside, his choice would be Iggy Pop, Okay. also oh. releasing a new album this month. Left Field, I know, but for a while... Uh, 
sorry, left field I know, but a while since classic artists sang a Bond theme song, I also think that the title No Time to Die could be an Iggy Pop song title. Mm. He's known for his wild persona and performances, but he's also a much better singer, singer than people realise, and I think a pop Bond song would at least be unique. <laughs> anyway, just my humble opinion, it's probably a daft suggestion. Unfortunately, um, with Bond music, obviously, like to suggest a pop Bond song. Yeah. But I just think you're so locked into people's idea of what a Bond song is mm-hmm. that I just don't think you could ever get away with doing so, something So this like is that. why I quite like, like, the Craig era, like, started with Chris Cornell. Yeah. And then it was Alicia Keys and Jack White, wasn't yeah. it? And yeah. those two are bangers. Like, I, I think the Chris mm. Cornell one, I think that gets a bad rap. Like, I hear a lot of people saying it was a crap Casino song. Royale, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. I really like that song. Oh, I, I God, think that's a good yeah, song that's, as well. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, you Know My Name, right? Yeah. yeah. That so, one. Yeah, it was a cracker. And I actually really like the Alicia Keys and Jack White one. Okay. And, I don't really remember that one. No, well, nobody remembers Quantum of Solace because Quantum of Solace is garbage. Yeah, But, like, had a really stylish opening credits, which felt like a 21st century Bond film it wasn't any of the it used silhouettes and stuff like that but it was much more like in 4k very very kind of bright and sparky but then obviously Skyfall being a throwback to older films we had Adele come in and obviously it was a very traditional in the Shirley Bassey style thing yeah I would like to see it go back to pop, but they're not the ones that live on. I mean, yeah. the, I think the Crystal Cornell one does for me because, like, I, I love Soundgarden and stuff yeah, like that. Sure. But for most people, I don't think it's the one that lives on in the memory. You know, you said about a classic artist. Well, mm-hmm. like, I might be wrong here, but I feel like they weren't all classic artists when their songs came out. No, this is true. Maybe Paul McCartney was. Uh, but, Wings, was it Paul McCartney? Wings yeah, it's yeah. Wings for um, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Uh, yeah, maybe they were. I mean, Paul McCartney mm-hmm. was a classic artist at that yeah. point, I suppose. But the majority of them, maybe not. But I think in so- some of them are very much like, you know what Shirley Bassey sort of established with yes. Goldfinger? Yeah. You can see that there are a lot of James Bond title intros that use almost that as a template. Absolutely, it's got yeah. that huskiness, that slightly... It set, the, it yeah. set the standard of what, yeah. like a Bond. And then, theme. so Live and Let Die is a very different sort of thing because <laughs> that's the sort of Bond theme yeah. tune that I love. You know, that fucking riff that's in the middle and then when <laughs> it goes all bonkers. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> Duran Duran made a good one as well. I yes. Think, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I, I'd like to see someone who I think can deliver that sort of Bond style but put a unique take on it. Mm-hmm. I think Arctic Monkeys could do that right now. Well, so I really like Arctic And i tell you what, you know um, their most recent album, which is Tranquility the Tranquility Base Hotel mm. and Casino, mm. that is an Arctic Monkeys in a lounge soundtrack. <laughs> Fucking hell, that, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I, I think musically they can absolutely nail it. I just want to hear... I just want to hear his Alex Turner's yeah. voice on a Bond <laughs> film. I think that would be the unique aspect yeah. to it. Yeah. I think they could absolutely do it. But I thought, you know, like I, although I don't love Spectre as much as the song mm-hmm. uh, by Radiohead as much as the other guys, I do love Radiohead, and I still feel like they could they could have done yeah. it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they'll probably ine- inevitably go for some recent pop act who not won't gonna, excite people as much. Not going to yeah. fuck up and like use Ed Sheeran or something. And just I think turn they'd everyone do Ed off. Sheeran. <laughs> they'd do someone with. <laughs> He's got a bit more, I don't know, soul to yeah. him, I guess. I don't know. Let's have the first rap song for a Bond film. Yeah, I don't know that's going to happen <laughs> somehow. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see who it is, actually. It inevitably will be someone, like they said, like Billie yeah. Eilish has said, right? It's always one of the highlights well, but, for a Bond Billie film. Billie Eilish is quite a left field. Like, her, her music is not standardised. I'm not massively familiar, to be honest mm-hmm. with them. But um, I don't think Tool's going to work. No. And no, also, I don't think uh, Iggy Pop feels <laughs> a little bit dated. <laughs> 
right yeah. now. I like his stuff. He's in GTA Five, isn't he? Is the yeah. one of the DJs? I like the uh, and you know I like some old Iggy Pop stuff, but uh, yeah, the idea of him being the front of can't Bond. imagine him being in a, in a music video for a Bond song and he's got his top off, <laughs> like seventy year old man with his top off. It's not not very Bond, is it? I mean, Bond's pretty old now, isn't it? Oh well. Take, take your own bomb film stick <laughs> yeah. your own anyway. you know, put your own music over it you can have whatever you want right last email mm-hmm. this is a bit of a mystery but I'm <laughs> going to read it anyway it's from Maxwell Rich but their email address is also Chris White so who really knows who this is? It says, hello, sales. <laughs> My name is Maxwell Rich, and I would like to know if you carry Ransom Stump in stock for sale. Please contact me back with the models and pricing for the Ransom Stump. <laughs> and thank you. We wait to hear from you soon. The reason I read that out was because what is Ransom Stump? Why are we responding to spam mail now? Because <laughs> it made me laugh, all right? I thought it was funny, and Did I want to know Ransom Googled Stump. Ransom Stump? No, what is it? No, I haven't Googled right. it. So I These messages don't come to my email account. So. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll Google it now and you mm-hmm. guys keep talking. All right, I'm going to so find out what Ransom Stump is. I think I have somewhat of an idea what it is just because I think Cardi posted it in Slack. Did he? Yes. Ran- so so it's, it's not Ransom as in... So it's R-A-N-S-O-M-E. Is that, that's not how you... That's not, is that how you spell Ransom as in like... It's, I ransom. thought it was like, like being hold, held for yeah, ransom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slump afterwards, right? And then it's stump as in oh, like stump. Uh, a, um, okay. like a tree, tree stump. stump. So yeah. the ransom shark's tooth stump splitter. That <laughs> sounds mouthful. rad. Har- it's a harvester model. So it's a big harvester. So it's oh, something we definitely yeah. do not own at the office. No. Is this, is this I am interested sh- in the sale of one there. <laughs> someone- Can we provide a, a stump for you? Well, we so we spoke quite a lot about Farming Simulator not so long ago. Right. So is someone trying to play a joke on us? Mm. Is there like an AI algorithm that listens to these podcasts and sends appropriate spam mail? I feel like I'm going to go down a YouTube hole now with <laughs> Ransom Stump. Can we find out how much a Ransom Stump costs? <laughs> Should we just call it, this episode Ransom Stump? Yes. yes. Yeah, okay, exactly. this is called Ransom Stump. If you do have any idea, what, you know, why we might have had that email, <laughs> or if there's anything else... I think else, it's just spam, but it made me spam. laugh, so I printed it off. Mm. But if you do want to get in contact with us, it is IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we need some music. Yeah, so I've got not? an idea. Oh, okay. Could Ooh. we have since we've just been talking? Are about, you going to say Arctic Monkeys? <laughs> yeah. I, so what? 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 what are you, what's your bid? Oh God. Um, so I mean, I, four out of five is the big. I was tune. about to bid four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go four out of five. Okay. Right. It's a banger. Yeah. Four stars out of five. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.